Rising Champions, a podcast about the mental side of sports, featuring inspirational interviews with young rising athletes about their quest to win their personal championships. Hosted by Dr. Jason Novetsky of Champion Mindset Group, alongside radio personality Kyle Bogie. All right, well, welcome into the Rising Champions podcast. Kyle Bogey, Dr. Jason Novetsky of the Champion Mindset Group here with you once again. And uh, we want to certainly just start out the episode wishing you uh, and yours a very happy holidays, a Merry Christmas, uh, you know, and a new year, even though I guess we'll have another episode uh, coming up on next week. But um, a different year in 2020, that's for sure, Doc. And uh, wow. 2021 is uh, significantly better than what we've dealt with uh, this past year. Let's hope so. I think we've all learned a lot about ourselves. Uh, we've learned how flexible, you know, from the mental side that we all can be. And I think, you know, if we look at it from a positive point of view, I think this year made us all stronger mentally. Um, so we're going to be a lot more resilient with, with uh, whatever comes our way. So, yeah, while it wasn't a lot of fun at the beginning, I think we've learned a lot about ourselves as a country and a world. Well, as has become uh, some pretty normal routine practice here on the Rising Champions podcast, uh, we're going to talk a little golf. Uh, and we have a, a local golfer on, uh, actually a freshman at Lawrence Tech on the golf team there, and of course attended uh, Utica Eisenhower uh, High School as well. Sam Bilatello, uh, one of your clients, and certainly uh, you know a, a young kid that uh, former hockey player who I think uh, has big aspirations in the game of golf and. Uh, love his mentality as it pertains to playing the game of golf as well, but a really uh, good conversation with him that we'll get to here in just a couple of minutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Sam's a great guy. Uh, I'm really looking forward to having him on the show. Uh, he's, like I said, he's just a sponge. He's always eager for information, and he's one of those guys that really follows through uh, with coaching and is very coachable, and I think that kind of goes back to what we talked about last week with Coach JB when, you know, kids are given instruction. You know, Sam's one of those guys that actually does listen and follow through. Yeah, that's my biggest problem anytime I work with a <laughs> golf instructor. Following <laughs> through on the course, you know. No, you know what? Today I'm going to take it nice and easy. I'm going to I'm going to hit my five iron on those short par fours, and you know I'm going to keep my driver away. And then you get there, and you're hitting the driver well. And what do you do on those short par fours? You hit the driver, and then you spray it right or left, and off you go. You're running into trouble. But um, yeah. I have a healthy appreciation for the strategy of golf and what you know really goes into it. And I think you know guys like you and I and, and Sam as well are constantly evolving and you know, trying to adjust as the game kind of adjusts to us. But um, staying on the, the subject of golf, one of the bigger stories coming out of this past weekend was not Tiger Woods playing in a, a competitive tournament, which is in and of itself a very exciting thing, and I try to watch as much as possible. But it was Tiger Woods' son, Charlie Woods, who played with him in the PNC Championship, which is a great event, by the way, regardless yes. of whether or not Charlie was playing with his dad, a sweet event that I always love to watch. But Charlie stole the show, 11-year-old son of Tiger Woods playing exceptional golf for an 11-year-old. I just – I can't imagine being on television, being mm -hmm. that good at the age of 11, having all the coaching that he has at his, you know, availability. And then on top of that, you're the son of arguably the greatest golfer of all time. Talk about pressure. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I, there's no words really to describe. I was captivated watching this literally captivated <laughs> uh, I, I couldn't turn my head every time the kid came on the screen I was watching him I was reading his body language and his facial expressions and trying to listen in to how he was communicating with Tiger 
they just had this great, great thing going on. I don't even know what to call it. They were just connected. And you could just tell how hard this kid works, how seriously he takes it. But even when he missed shots, he, he got a little disappointed. But, you know, nothing over over the top. I mean, for being 11 to be able to manage your emotions and control yourself, he did a better job than Tiger used to do when Tiger first came on tour, quite honestly. Um, and, and just a I mean, there's so many things we could talk about. I just love how he fist pumped. I love how he pointed at his dad as his dad was rolling a putt in. I mean, he just had all the mannerisms down. It was it was a joy to watch. Well, and, you know, one of my favorite parts, the uh, the trash talking as well. That, that first yeah. day being paired with uh, Justin and Mike Thomas, uh, I, I thought that was just incredible. You know, where Justin Thomas is basically like an older brother. Uh, you know, for Charlie Woods, you can just tell they have that relationship and him just playing into that and not being worried about – the cameras and the optics and, you know, everything else that's going on. Fascinating to just have somebody that can block that out. And, you know, I, I say, you know, it's amazing for an 11 year old to be able to do that. But I almost wonder if just because he's not always been in the spotlight, but you know, he's, his dad has always been, and he has watched how Tiger has handled things, you know, over the last several years, you have to think that he is so much more prepared to handle something like that than the average 11 year old. You know, you're right. And say what you will about Tiger. And, you know, there's a lot, there's small factions of the world that don't like Tiger from, you know, the mistakes he's made. And, and certainly I was disappointed in him and his behavior at that time. But that, those mistakes don't define him as a person. And I think he, you know, overall, he's done the best he could under extremely difficult circumstances. And look what he's been able to do with his children. They've stayed out of the limelight, very similar to like Kobe Bryant and LeBron James have mm -hmm. kept their kids out of the limelight and not forced them out there. And, you know, it was really cool that I saw on the second day is his ex-wife was there with his daughter as well and cheering Charlie and Tiger on. And that says a lot about what they've been able to do. And a lot of families that go through tough, tough situations and divorce and theirs was, you know, out there for the whole world to see as well. And to be able to come together and raise your kids in a healthy way and their behavior shows what they've been able to do. So I think this is all positive. Anybody that says anything negative about Charlie Woods and the situation, uh, they've got their own problems to deal with. I mean, this kid is uh, handling this thing amazingly well. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It's it's honestly, it's interesting that, you know, you, you bring something like that up because I got to believe there are a lot of kids out there, um, a lot of young athletes who use sports as, you know, an escape, whether it's an escape from academics, whether it's an, an escape from home life or, you know, a broken home or something like that, um, you know, and, and just dive into their respective sport, what they're interested in. And, you know, I'm not, you know, certainly not saying that's what Charlie Woods is you know, has done here, but sports can be this ultimate, I don't know, presence in your life that just allows you to hone in and focus and kind of get you away from some of the other distractions and maybe negative things, uh, you know, that are going on with you. I, th I agree with you. I think sports can be very therapeutic. Um, I, I know a lot of what I call corporate athletes that I work with that aren't golfers. They might play other sports or they play basketball, but um, whatever it is, their sport is their way of just expressing themselves in a different way. I know a lot of guys that just like to go to the driving range and hit balls around, just help them escape the daily pressures of life, or they go out and shoot baskets with their buddies and stuff like that. I think that's what's so lovable about sports. I'd be curious in, you know, in all the, the years that you've been doing this, uh, you know, work and working with young athletes and, you know, student athletes and all of that, I, I got to believe that there's different tiers and different levels of, um, 
when you first get to know, you know, these student athletes and there's just different levels of maturity, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Whether you're an 11 year old, a 13 year old, 15, 17 on up to, you know, a 23 year old, you know, college senior. Um, I just, I wonder, you know, how do you go about, I guess, identifying where, you know, some of your potential clients are at that stage in life as an athlete, as a student, and just as a human being? Well, you know, there's a difference between chronological age and developmental age. And so some of my clients that might be as young as 10, 11, 12, developmentally are more like 15 or 16. Yeah. And then I have some guys that are 21, 22 and are 13 or 14 developmentally in their mindset and just their Probably ability me. to make decisions. <laughs> and their ability to make decisions. So, you know, there's really, you really just have to get to know people. I think one of the biggest things that, you know, psychologists are taught right off the get-go when you work with people is you got to build rapport. And it's about the relationship. And as you'll hear in the, you know, in the discussion with Sam today, you know, we have a good relationship. We, we bonded right away uh, over sports and common experiences. And I think any good coach, uh, like someone in my position, that's the first thing that you're trying to do is connect with somebody. And if there's no connection, you're not going to get much out of them as a coach. So, you know, you get that connection going, then you can kind of tell where they're at developmentally and the kind of concepts you can talk to them about and what they're ready to handle. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating how similar we, we can be, you know, as humans, but how different, you know, we, we can be as well. I mean, that's mm -hmm. just depending on what your circumstances are, you could be from a great home, you could be from a bad home, you, could, you know, it just, it, sometimes it just doesn't matter. You're just, some kids are going to be able to handle it better than others. Some, you know, will be able to come out of it and, and just succeed at unbelievable levels in life. But it's amazing how many factors go into you being a tremendous athlete, student, human, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, there's no cookie cutter. There's no blueprint approach uh, yeah. to that. I mean, everybody's born with different set of skills and talents and, and then you have different upbringing. So it is obviously that nature nurture combination that, you know, we're going to see how it goes. So that's what makes life exciting. We just don't know what's going to happen. Well, Doc, uh, you know, certainly uh, this is our last episode before the Christmas holiday. So I want to make sure, uh, you know, I wish you uh, a Merry Christmas. I uh, hope you enjoy it, you know, with your family. Any, any big plans or are you just, just sticking with tradition, tapering it down this year? What, what's, the, uh, what's the plan for the holidays? Yeah, we certainly tapered it down a little bit. We actually had, uh, you know, my family in town this past weekend. So we got a little early start on Christmas just to make things accommodating for everybody and their travel plans. But uh, I think with my wife and I, it's going to, and my younger son, it's going to be kind of a quiet Christmas. Uh, and there's a chance, there's a slight chance we're looking at the weather to see if we can get out of town and drive somewhere and be safe and maybe get a couple extra rounds in here before the, the calendar year flips. So we'll see. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Be nice. Uh, you know, Blake isn't necessarily at the age uh, of waking us up early and being ready to open Christmas presents just yet. But uh, the, the feeling of, you know, being a father for the first time and waking up on Christmas morning in our home, um, you know, with her is going to be uh, going to be something that I, I very much look forward to. She's only seven months, but by next year, I bet she'll have me up at 6am ready to open presents. So yeah, and I, I wish you and your family a happy holidays as well. I appreciate that. Thank you. And uh, Merry Christmas to everyone out there uh, as well. If you followed along, um, subscribe, downloaded, liked, uh, enjoyed the Rising Champions podcast so far uh, this year. We certainly have a lot uh, to look forward to in 2021 as well. Uh, but without further ado, I want to make sure that we get to uh, our spotlight interview this week. That is, by the way, brought to you by 
Brand 25 Media, if you are a local company, a small business here in the state of Michigan, even in just in the Metro Detroit area, and you're looking to improve your digital presence with digital media, with potential digital ad spend, um, Brand 25 Media covers all of those bases and would be happy to partner with you if you want to check out the website, brand25media.com, or you can email Mike at brand25media.com or Kyle at brand25media.com. Uh, and with that, we will go ahead and get to Sam Militello, uh, golfer at Lawrence Tech University and from Utica Eisenhower High School. Okay, so Sam, um, it, just coming out of this past weekend, uh, I want to at least start with you know something that I think has been on the minds of uh, a lot of golfers, a lot of golf fans, and you know certainly me this past weekend. Did you get a chance to check out Charlie Woods in the PNC Championship, the 11-year-old Tiger Woods son? What did you think, and how good were you when you were 11 years old? <laughs> uh, you know, watching him, I mean, being Tiger's son, he's got everything going for him. You know, he's got everything that he could ever ask for being Tiger's son. You know, Tiger's arguably the greatest of all time. So, you know, watching him, it's pretty impressive what he's been doing at 11. You know, hitting the ball, what, 240 carry, what he's hitting it, and, you know, stuffing wedges for his dad. He kind of carried Tiger. But, uh, so, me being 11, I wasn't even playing golf, honestly. <laughs> I was messing around playing hockey with all my buddies, traveling from states to states, trying to, you know, make it big in hockey. Yeah. So, Sam, uh, thanks for being on today. We're, I was yeah. really looking forward to catching up with you and, and having you share some of your experiences. Uh, and so let's go back to that because you played hockey, you played baseball, and yep. then you got into golf. What, what helped you with uh, the transition uh, of moving into golf? Do you think baseball and hockey was a help to you? And, and do you miss any of them? Oh, yeah, missing hockey for sure. I mean, playing senior year uh, for the high school and then, you know, getting offered by Lawrence Tech to play the dual sport there was a big accomplishment for me. But uh, I knew that around 13, 14, I had to give up baseball because I started baseball probably roughly around seven, eight years old. Then I made my way into the fed ball, playing with my cousin and his dad's team. And then, uh, you know, getting my pitching coach all straightened up. But then, uh, you know, I just wanted to stick with hockey and, you know, pursue golf at that time. And then uh, I figured up to hang up the skates this, this past year and just, you know, keep my mind ready for uh, golf season at Lawrence. You know, it's, uh, it's fascinating to me talking to, you know, hockey players, current, former, you know, whatever it may be, and how much of a correlation there is between golf and hockey. And I, I got to believe that there was some synergy there. You being an athlete, being able to rotate, you know, certainly having, you know, the lower body strength and all of that. I, I mean, there, I feel like every hockey player is also a scratch golfer or at least a really good golfer. Do you think that kind of helped you along the way? Oh, 100%. I mean, the conditioning in hockey, nothing can beat it because you're – there's a whole different conditioning between running and, you know, doing say football exercises compared to being on skates and actually, you know, bag skating up and down the ice for 30 minutes. So that, I mean, that's the greatest conditioning I've ever done in my life. Well, it's, it's interesting too, you know, the way that the game is kind of, you know, trending and evolving, you know, when, when Tiger Woods kind of came onto the scene, a, a lot of the golfers weren't very good athletes. You know, Tiger was, was really, you know, kind of one of a kind and now, we're starting to see guys who take care of their bodies, who are constantly working out. I mean, Bryson DeChambeau is kind of that to, to the greatest extent, but even guys like Justin Thomas, who's not a big dude, 
but they are on specific workout regimens to be able to, to bomb the golf ball because it's such a distance game now. I guess how much of that, you know, are you kind of importing into your game and, and, and how much has that evolved for you? Well, with hockey, you know, I play defense. So, I mean, 90% of the time we're taking slap shots from the, from the point. <laughs> and that, I mean, that helps tremendously with, I mean, getting the ball off the tee. So, I mean, you know, I had like 13, 14 years old, I was able to hit it like 270 off the tee. But now, but I was hitting a big fade at the time because with hockey, there's a whole different uh, technique to hitting the slap shot besides the golf swing, keeping it straight. And then I got the coach and then, uh, you know, he straightened me out from there. So let's talk about that, your style of play. Um, you know, how has it evolved? What were you before? What do you feel like you're doing now? Uh, how does that play into your core strategy as well? So back when I started playing golf, I mean, it was just with my dad and his buddies sometimes, and then started getting into the tournaments. Um, but back then, I mean, I was full on it, just aggressive, 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 you know, just hit the ball as far as I could. Now, you know, getting to a more skill standpoint, I figured out I just don't need to have the driver in the bag and, you know, just hit something out there that's, you know, 260, 270 out there just to get it in the fairway. Because I know if I miss one and it goes out of bounds that's that could be costly for the whole round for sure so what are you hitting out there nice and easy 260 270 because I, I mean that's barely my driver right there you know that I, i'm able to hit out there and i'm lucky if it's in the middle of the fairway what do you, is it a three wood is it a driving iron i know those things are really in right now in golf yeah it's it's actually a driving iron it's, it's nice. a two iron, so 18 degree yeah it's just swing as hard as you can and it's it straight every time Okay, so what's, what's the biggest piece of advice you can give me then? Because I'm, I'm getting new clubs the end of January, and I think I'm going to toss a, a, a two-iron, a driving iron in the bag. I mean, it's got to be intimidating how f flat and tiny, you know, that face is. I mean, just don't get mad at yourself. It takes a <laughs> while to adapt to that two-iron. Because, you know, I mean, as you said, the head is so small. So switching from a hybrid to a two-iron, there's – there's a small gap that you have to hit it perfect every time. But I find it, a lot of players don't like those hybrids. You know, uh, I know I don't, uh, I don't have, I hit a three iron a lot when I need to just punch it out there, two Oh five or something like that. But uh, yeah, I think the hybrid is tougher to hit for me personally, but that's besides the point. So Sam, I want to talk more about the mental game. As you know, this, this podcast is about, um, digging into the minds of these young athletes and what's been successful, what's been a struggle uh, in that regard. So the question I have for you, what has been the most difficult part of the mental game for you? The most difficult part is probably keeping it through the whole 18 holes. I think, you know, you can let it easily slip away if you have a couple bad shots, but I think if you just stick to the, the routine, you're going to be golden. Talk a little bit more about that routine. How's that helped you? And what do you do? So the pre-shot routine, I mean, is a huge helper. I mean, it always gets me focused again and it gets me ready to take that shot. And then with the, with the bubble, I love the bubble. I don't let anything. Explain that. Explain that to everybody. Yeah. So the bubble, I mean, as Dr. Novetsky taught me, don't let anything come into your bubble. That's negative. Always keep positive thoughts and don't think too much about golf think about something else or to keep your mind off the golf club until you're ready to hit the ball. Right. Right. So what Sam does is, you know, once he's got his yardage in his club, Kyle, he, he gets inside his own like personal bubble. And I think it was kind of interesting that Tiger kind of mentioned that 
uh, in the interview when he talked about how he and Charlie are in their, in their own little world when they're out there on the course. So it's kind of the same thing. So once you're in that bubble, it, it's, it's about the routine. It's about being in the moment, executing the shot. And then what happens after the shot, Sam? What do you do? Just let it go. Just you get right the bubble. Back shot. Yeah, you pop the bubble. You let your mind wander, do whatever it wants, and then you mm -hmm. get another bubble started at the next shot. Yep. So, yeah, you found that that's been really helpful for you? So helpful. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, back before I met you, I was just zoned in and focused, overly focused, even walking to the ball. Mm -hmm. So now to get my mind, keep moving in and out of the bubble, it's been helping so much because it's freeing my mind. Mm. As a, uh, as a fellow aggressive player and aggressive golfer, um, it, it's, an e it's not a, an easy, uh, you know, tendency to break where you just want to attack every pin. You always want to, you know, go for it, you know, on par fives and two. Um, you always think you can hit, you know, the perfect shot and take chances. So what has the process been like for you in kind of tapering that down and almost restricting yourself a little bit knowing, okay, there's no need to be aggressive here. I need to just get on the green and give myself a chance as opposed to always trying to hit the perfect shot. Like where, where have you found that balance? So, I mean, I just had a lot of self-discipline doing it. I thought, uh, I thought it was going to be tough, which it was until, you know, getting into those tournaments and actually executing that stuff and seeing, you know, the game is so much more simpler, just hitting to the center of the fairway, you know, 260, 270 out there. And then, you know, hitting to the, the big part of the green and just two-putting from there. I mean, it's so much more helpful. And then with the holes that you know you can get after it, then you can get after it a little bit more. Sam, do you find it the game different between when you were playing, like, junior tournaments and high school golf versus the collegiate level? Now, I know you've only been at Lawrence Tech for one half a season, so to speak. But what have you noticed the differences to be? You know, there's not a lot – of difference surprisingly because you know playing with the junior kids I mean they take it as seriously or even more seriously as the college level mm -hmm. but the college level I mean it's a little bit more it's tougher because we're playing courses that you can not even imagine playing mm -hmm. and so you know it, I just take it as a junior tournament or a high school tournament the same way just take every tournament the same way and then uh, hope for a good result so what you're doing there is you're just playing golf. You're not thinking about what it's called, which exactly. is something you can't control, which we talk about a lot. It's just like, hey, no matter what you call it, it's still golf, and you still got to execute your shots. No matter The rules are the same. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that's a good approach. From a – no doubt. From a pressure standpoint, you know, if you're – say you're, you know, in it late in a tournament or, you know, maybe at the high school level you – had the chance to, you know, to win a tournament or, you know, put the team on your back or whatever it was. And it came down to a final hole, a final shot, a final putt, whatever it is. Um, you know, I know I, you know, when I was younger and I was certainly not a great athlete, but it, it, nerves in those situations certainly can kind of overwhelm you. They did for me. Um, is that something you've dealt with? You embrace, I guess. What are your thoughts on, on that? You know, I kind of feed off it actually, because <laughs> I mean, you know, the other guys nervous too. Oh, yeah. even more nervous than you probably. But I think playing these other sports and dealing with, you know, the pressure and the late moment crunch time, it's helped me so much more in golf. Especially in hockey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. And I think that's why it's so important to be a multi-sport athlete so you can understand pressure from different points of view. And, and the more you put yourself in pressure situations, the less likely you're going to feel that pressure uh, when, it, when you're actually playing a, 
legit tournament. So talk also about pressure when it comes to practice. I know that's something you and I have talked about, how to set up your practice the right way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just being in key moments during practice, it helps you so much. I mean, you know, having to hit practice in what you're going to play as. So hitting, you know, driver going throughout the bag, like you're playing holes on an actual course. Mm -hmm. That's what I like to do before a tournament. So you, you, you imagine you're playing a certain hole and then you go through your pre-shot routine with every club, put the club back, get out a new club as if you're actually on the, on the course itself. Yeah. I found that helps so much with my game. Yeah. I think a lot of people need to take that advice because I see so many young junior golfers that they're just at the range and they're banging balls and they're with their buddies and, you know, they're just fooling around and they don't get much out of it, you know, and then they work and then they complain that they don't play like they practice. Well, if you don't, mm-hmm practice like you're going to play you're not going to play like you practice it goes both ways so i think it's really important you need to take that discipline to the range as well i guess doc doc what you're saying is that my pre-round routine of uh you know going and getting a a beverage is not exactly the best strategy uh you know for me to go out there and play my best is that is that what you're saying (laughs) it's all about your expectations kyle (laughs) you know sam's out there trying to win some for his school if you're out there trying to win a five dollar nasa you know that's up to you (laughs) a little bit yeah no there's no doubt sam Sam, i'd be curious to get your thoughts because um, you know, I, I've heard for years that, you know, golf is this uh, sport that is it's for older people and it's dying off and, you know, younger, the younger generation isn't as interested. And I think even before this past year where 7 million people in the United States either started playing golf or picked golf back up, I thought that golf was going through a little bit of a revolution with younger people. People are sick over it. I'm a nut when it comes to golf. I'll watch it all the time. I'll talk about it all the time. I'll play it as much as I can. Doc, I know you're you're pretty similar in, in what you know what your schedule allows. But have you seen or noticed anything amongst your friends, guys your age, girls your age, even where golf just seems to be kind of changing a little bit, and younger people are really getting engaged? Oh, for sure, hundred percent. I mean, with this pandemic going on, especially. I mean, golf courses were like the pretty much the only thing you could do. So. <laughs> I was working at a golf course in the summer and I see my football buddies that are on the football team, baseball guys, hockey guys, every sport you can think of, they're out there playing golf. And I think, you know, taking it from the professional standpoint, you guys, you see race car drivers, football players, professional hockey players, they all look up to the golf guys because they know how tough the game is, but also how fun the game is once they get to get the hang of it. Yeah. Well, speaking about that, what do you love about golf, Sam? I love that it just frees me from the real world. You can go out there for, you know, however long you can, play as many as you play as many holes as you want, and you don't have to deal with, you know, work or school or anything. You're just out there, you know, being what you, doing what you love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there a particular golfer on the tour that you connect with that you kind of try to emulate or focus on? Phil Mickelson. Oh, yeah. Ah. Yeah. Tell us why. why. Yeah. Just watching Phil, you know, he's always interacting with the crowd and he's always in a good mood out there. All these other guys you see are, you know, getting angry and, you know, banging clubs and stuff. I think, you know, Phil's just a great example. It's it's good. That's a really good one. It's one of my heroes as well. And I just love listening to him on these uh, new things called the match where he's talking about the different kinds of shots and the green and the green and how he kind of maps things out. I think that's fascinating. So, Sam, for you, um, you know, I guess in college and then, you know, potentially beyond that, 
any specific goals on the course, you know, that you, you really, you know, have in mind or things you want to kind of work toward and attain? Yeah. You know, going into this college season, being a freshman, um, I just want to help the guys, you know, get better and uh, hopefully to see our team make it down to Indianapolis for the national championship this year. I love how you went right to the team and you're, you're a great guy in that regard, but tell us about what you want to do. What are some personal goals you have? I just want to build on my game, get better scores, and then, you know, evolve as a golfer, you know, hitting different variety of shots, had those in my bag if I ever need them. And then, you know, keep working with the mental game, not, you know, not getting overheaded and uh, just being calm and cool collected out there. And what I do you see gonna help. What do you see doing down the road and what are you studying? What are your, what are your plans uh, as the years go by here? Yeah, so I'm studying finance at Lawrence. They got a good business program there. And then, uh, you know, going into Lawrence, I was looking at a couple other schools. But then once I met Coach Marzolino over there and met everyone at the school, I knew that Lawrence Tech was uh, the place where I needed to be. Okay. And so you're thinking about working in the financial world after you graduate? Yeah. Okay. Are you thinking about maybe giving a shot on the pro tours somehow? Oh, that's, that's first. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's I always got right. that degree to fall back on. Okay. That's smart. That's smart. Spoken like a true golf, golf person, golf guy right there. I mean, obviously, you know, if you can play on the tour or anything, of course you're going to try and pursue that. Right. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Awesome. So, well, please. Go ahead. Go ahead. So Sam, uh, how can we follow you? Uh, if our people that are listening want to catch up and, uh, you know, see how you're doing at Lawrence tech, see how the scores are going and things of that nature. Are you on social media and things like that? Yeah. Uh, Simple username, underscore Sam Militello. I mean, really not that hard. First one that pops up. And okay. then uh, if you want to look, if you want to follow the team, you can just go on uh, LTU Athletics and then click on golf and then schedule and it'll be right there, all the results. Awesome. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, Sam, uh, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, you know, Doc and I could talk golf all night. So, uh, you know, this is uh, – you're the perfect guest to have here on the Rising Champions podcast. But uh, best of luck with everything. We'll certainly be, uh, you know, following your progress. And, uh, you know, good luck moving forward. Enjoy the holiday season. Sounds good. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Rising Champions podcast. Please subscribe and join us again next week for another episode.